Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the final plague upon Egypt as we pick up in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So we turn now in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 11. Up to this point, Moses' life seems to be going from one bad experience to a worse. Sometimes we have that experience too. It looks like, man, just everything we do is wrong. Nothing seems to be coming up right. Moses has been before the Pharaoh. He has made his demands. The Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. Egypt has been smitten by God with many plagues. And now the Pharaoh orders him out, orders him never to see my face again. The next time you see me, you're a dead man. And so Moses leaves and says, that's all right with me if I never see your face again. And so in chapter 11, the Lord said unto Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt And afterwards he will let you go from here. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. In other words, he's not going to just let you go. He's going to kick you out of here. After this final plague, God's going to smite Egypt once more. And when he smites Egypt this time, the Pharaoh is not just going to let them go. He's going to throw them out of the land. And so speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow. Now the word borrow here is an unfortunate kind of a translation because it looks like they sort of dishonestly ripped off the Egyptians. In other words, go in and borrow uh, all of their silver plate and you know all of their jewels and, and earrings and bracelets and so forth. And then when you leave tonight, rip them off. Uh, you take it with you, and, and uh, that Moses is advocating actually uh, this kind of a ripoff of the Egyptians, but not so. The word would better be translated, let them ask. And at this point, let me tell you something, the Egyptians were glad to give them anything. In a sense, this is back wages, They have been serving the Egyptians as slaves now for many years without pay. And so this really is just sort of a compensation to them for all of the labor, uh, the years of labor that they had given to the Egyptians. But it wasn't really just saying, oh, can I borrow that beautiful necklace tonight? And then not showing up, you know, but taking off and, and, and running with it. It was asking for the necklace. I'd like to have that earring. I'd like to have that bracelet. I'd like to have that necklace. And so let them ask the Egyptians, all of them their neighbors, and every woman of her neighbor for the jewels of silver and the jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. At this point, they really had begun, that is, the Egyptians had really begun to look up to Moses. 
They had been through enough. The servants of Pharaoh were pleading with Pharaoh, hey, let this guy go before we're all dead. We're going to be wiped out. We're not going to have anything. Let them go. It was only the Pharaoh whose heart was so hardened in resisting the letting of the people go. The people themselves uh, were really at this point glad to see them uh, go. Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about midnight, will I go out into the midst of Egypt? And so we talk about God passing through Egypt and the firstborn being slain. And Moses tells us here that it was about midnight. I suppose that is why midnight is sort of looked upon as a scary hour. And all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservants, that is behind the mill and all of the firstborn of the beast. In other words, the eradication of the firstborn was to be complete from the least to the greatest in the land and even to include their own animals. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall it be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against the man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, it is true that God always puts a difference between those who are his people and those who are not his people. And God says, I want you to know how that I put a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelis. God makes a definite distinction always concerning his people. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. So... Moses was angry. The Pharaoh was angry. Moses left the presence of the Pharaoh. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened or made stiff Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. So chapter 11 is just sort of a brief summary of what has happened up until this point, and uh, now we are going to continue on and carry on with the story, chapter 12. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, the Jews are going to be celebrating New Year's, Rosh Hashanah. How come they're celebrating New Year's now if April was to be the first month of the year? Well, they have a religious calendar, and their religious year begins in April. And then they have just the regular year by which they count years, and, and that comes sometime here in the latter part of September, uh, as a general rule, the Jewish New Year. And so they have sort of a secular calendar and a religious calendar. 
Uh, and the religious calendar, they do begin the religious year in April. That is the first of April. So that the month of October in the religious calendar is the seventh month. And because seven is such a symbolic number uh, and such a significant number in symbolism, uh, the many feasts take place in the seventh month and uh, especially the Feast of Sukkoth or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which takes place here in the 10th month or seventh month of the Jewish calendar, 10th month in our calendar. Uh, so uh, we see that God is ordaining now that this is to be the beginning of months for you. You're just, this is, uh, God is going to bring them into a new relationship with himself. And uh, they're going to start counting their life from this point, this new relationship that God is bringing them into. And so I have uh, sometimes people come up who are 50 years old. And they say, I'm celebrating my second birthday this week, you know. And they're talking about their new birth. Uh, their new relationship with God. This is the new beginning for them, beginning in Christ, and, and their life seems to start all over. It takes on a new beginning when you really come into this relationship with the Lord. And so coming into this new relationship with, with God, it's to be the beginning. Start counting from here. Whatever happened in the past doesn't count anymore. Paul talks about his past as refuse. All of the glory and all of the uh, accomplishments that he had experienced in his ambitions and in his life up to Christ, he counted that but lost. He counted it but refuse that he might know Christ. Life really begins with Jesus Christ. It's the beginning of life. It's the beginning of counting. Anything else before Christ really doesn't count. It's all wood, hay, and stubble of no count. Life really begins when you begin your life with Jesus Christ. So God is saying, hey, this is the beginning. Start counting from here because you're going to come into a new relationship with God. Here's where things are going to start. And so speak unto the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household is too little for the lamb, let him take his neighbor that is next to his house and let them take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it upon the two side posts and upon the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Notice the blood was to be stricken on the side post and on the upper doorpost, not on the threshold. Because the blood of this lamb is actually symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is never to be trampled underfoot. However, by some it is who are going to face the wrath of God, of how much sore punishment we are told in Hebrews. Suppose ye 
he to be thought worthy who hath counted the blood of his covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. So the blood of Christ is never to be trodden underfoot. Thus the blood was to be put upon the side post and on the upper doorpost of the house, but not on the threshold. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Don't eat it raw nor boiled with water, but roast it with a fire, the head with the legs and the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remains of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And ye shall eat it with your clothes on, fully dressed, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You'll eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, they were to really sort of stuff themselves when they ate this lamb. I mean, eat the whole thing. Eat until you can't eat anymore. It's going to be a while before you're going to be eating meat again. They're going to make their flight and they're going to need all of the reserve and strength and energy that they can store up. And so they're really to eat the whole thing, as much as you possibly can. If you can't eat it all, then burn the rest with the fire. Don't let anything remain. And as they eat it, they are to eat it prepared to go. Now, as a general rule, their eating was just sort of a lounging. They didn't sit at the table like we sit at the tables to eat. But they would just sort of lie around on pillows on the floor, very casual when they ate. It, it, you so often, you know, you see the picture of Jesus at the Last Supper and the nice table and everything. No, they didn't eat like that. They, they were lying around on the floor on pillows and so forth, and, and it was a, an extremely casual kind of a, uh, eating uh, habits that they had. And, and the food out there, and they would just, you know, take the food and then just sort of lie back and chew on the bones and, and enjoy, you know, and, and uh, good way to eat. We've become so formalized that uh, uh, we don't really know how to, we, we are oftentimes stiff and formal when we eat rather than really relaxed. When you're relaxed like that, your food digests so much better and it's just a better way to go at it. But customs are customs and so I guess we're going to have to be customized. <laughs> now, the lamb that was to be chosen had to be of the first year. It had to be without blemish. It had to be separated from the flock for four days to make sure that it was without blemish. The lamb was to be slain on the evening of the 14th day, the blood applied to the doorpost. This is going to be the Lord's Passover. For the Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all of the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. Now, here God is declaring 
that the purpose of these plagues has been that he might execute against all of the gods of Egypt his judgment. They had worshipped the flies, they had worshipped the frogs, they had worshipped the Nile River, and God exercised his judgment against their gods. And so he is magnifying himself. As the Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah? I don't know him. He surely learned. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And the Lord declared, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So the blood was to be a protection. It was to be a seal for that house, a token by which when God sees the blood there on the doorpost, he would pass over that house and the firstborn would not die. However, in whatever house there was not the blood there over the doorpost and on the side post of the house, the firstborn in that house would be slain. The only protection and the only salvation was through the blood. No other hope, no other way, no other salvation except through the blood applied by faith. Because it had to be a step of faith on the part of the people. You can't really intellectualize on how blood on a doorpost can keep your firstborn child alive. It doesn't really make sense from an intellectual standpoint. And thus, it had to be a step of faith on their part. Moses said, this is what God says to do. And they had to obey the word of God by faith. They weren't sure that it was going to work. They weren't even sure that the death would be visited, except that Moses said it would upon the firstborn in the land. And so there had to be that obedience of faith, putting the blood on the doorpost, but as Moses said, so it was, and the only hope of salvation was through the blood. And so today, God has declared that the only hope of life, the only hope of salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other hope. You say, Chuck, that's too narrow. I cannot believe in a God that would be so narrow. That's too bad. Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. You say, but I can't understand it. I didn't say I did. I believe it. I believe God's word. I accept God's word is true. I don't argue with God, nor with the word of God, nor do I seek to strive with God. For who am I to contend with God? Who am I to argue with God over what's fair or what's right or what's wrong? Am I saying that my standards of fairness are, are above God's? Am I saying that I know better than God? Dare I challenge God? 
Paul said, remember, you're just like a bit of clay in the potter's hand. And what right has the clay to say to the potter, hey, why are you making me this kind of a pitcher? I don't want to be that. I wanted to have a different shape. Hey, you are what you are. And we have no right to challenge God or the ways of God or wise of God. But if we have good sense, we'll just submit to God, whether we understand it or not. The obedience of faith is so important. God has declared there is salvation in no other. When Peter was examined concerning the miracle done to the lame man and was standing before the council, men and brethren, if I be examined this day because of the good deed done unto this impotent man, be it known unto you that by the name of Jesus Christ does this man stand here before you whole. He was the stone which was set of naught of you builders. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says, woe unto him who strives with his maker. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 11 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you by his power and in his love that you might be God's instrument this week to share his love with others, that you might be a blessing to those that you come in contact with, as they sort of draw from your relationship with Jesus and are strengthened and blessed because of your walk with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The Summer of Love was the stage for many dramas of change, and the most popular musical group in the world was singing All You Need Is Love. 
But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer, and the truth began to set people free. Author and pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your life now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit a bookstore nearest you or call 1-800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.